welcome back into the bullpen, everybody. It's been a long time since we've been back in the bullpen, uh, Tyler. It's been probably at least two weeks. I'm glad that everybody out there is listening. Glad to be here with you um, to talk a little bit uh, of sports again. And but first, I want to just get something um, out there that I haven't in a couple of weeks. Um, I just want to say thank you to our editor Jacob Kaywood. I know I've put him in. Um, the little blurb in our episodes, but I just wanted to put that out here in the recording. Um, he does an awesome job for us. He's great at what he does. So go go hit him up on Instagram if you if you have any of your uh, editing needs, and he'll definitely take care of you. I just wanted to say thank you to him before we get started here, Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks uh, for helping us out and doing all that. All right. So. Let's get right into Around the Horn. Uh, do you want to go first with your first topic? Yeah, sure. Mine will be, my first one will be kind of quick and easy. Um, uh, will Robinson, if you're out there listening, you may want to cover your ears, but um, this past week, a Cubs minor leaguer in, um, in spring training in their system was caught with, I kid you not, 21 pounds of methamphetamine and two pounds of oxycodone. That is. I didn't know about the oxy. I just knew about the meth. Yeah, yeah. Two two point one two pounds of oxy. That oxy is, makes sense. Meth don't make sense at all to me. Yeah. I don't. I have never heard of meth being a drug that professional players in general take. Well, I mean, you got to think that he wasn't there to. Take it with twenty one pounds anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but if he was, he might have been trying to sell it to people. the other, <laughs> well, the other players and Oxy definitely because I mean painkillers are a big thing in professional sports. But. Right. Jesus Camargo Corrales is the minor leaguer um, that that was that was busted with this. In his duffel bag. Where's he from? Um, that is a great question. Because, like I say, who knows? Like, I guess we talked about it earlier, but, you know, who knows what he, what he's coming from and his background. You never know if, you know, he just got mixed up with the wrong people back at home. And, you know, they sort of just used him. And because it is like that in other parts of the world, uh, they could have just used him as sort of a thing to, you know, don't come back here if you don't help us out, or, mm-hmm. you know, you never know. Yeah, you never know, one, what people are going through in in different parts of the world, but then again, like, as you said, <clears throat> you don't know how how other parts of the world work. You know, like period, just yeah. work in general. He is from S. Now I'm I'm not going to butcher the spelling or this wording. Excuse me, so I'm just going to spell it. S i n a l o a Mexico. Oh, Mexico. Okay. Um, let me see if I can find where exactly that is. Um, but yeah, like you said, it, you never know what somebody's going through. Um, in a regular circumstance, so not to mention a a professional baseball player, you never know what's what their home life is like. You know, especially if you know he goes back home and 
he's got money from baseball. And minor leaguers don't make a lot of money, but you know they might make more money than people back home. Yeah, for his for the, for his town, that could be a lot. Yeah, and that that could make him a target for bad people to use him. Uh, but yeah, it is. So what I just said the the word that I just said. Oh, it's not on the golf side. It is not. It is on the Pacific side and. The S I N A L O A portion of Mexico is actually a nation, a state um, inside of Mexico. And a Karen help us out. That, yeah, that uh, houses um, Mazatlan down there south of. of uh, C U L I A C A N. It's north of Guadalajara. Yeah. And places like that. South of Guadalajara. Anyways, this is a sports show, not not a geographic show. Yeah, not not a ge- geography test. Um, yeah. Well, do we want to stick on some baseball real quick? Um, So I wanted to talk a little bit about something that I saw today. Um, the MLB put out a... Uh, post on their Instagram. I didn't see if it was on their Twitter or anything. Uh, It was a stat via Zips projection system. uh, And they projected the top home run leaders in the MLB this year. Not in the NL, not in the AL, and the whole MLB. And they projected Ronald Acuna Jr. to have the most home runs out of anybody in the majors with 43 home runs. Uh, next is Pete Alonzo with 41, Mike Trout with 39, Matt Olson with 39, Cody Bellinger with 38, and Giancarlo Stanton with 38. Um, for one, those are decently big numbers, but I think we've seen bigger numbers in the past. Um, it's because I think, you know, they are changing the baseball a little bit this year. To make it not fly as far, which I just wish they would leave everything alone. Um, I do think the baseballs were juiced last year and the year before. Baseballs have been juiced for a while. Yeah. But to have Ronald Acuna up there, I I just thought that was... with, With the big names that we have in baseball, the big home run names that we have, and to put... Acuna tops of the leaderboard, which 43 is not a stretch for him. I mean, he hit 42 years ago uh, pre-COVID, you know, but to have him lead like nobody above him I thought was pretty high praises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Um, to go to the point of baseballs being juiced for a while, 2015 total home runs hit in both leagues was 4,900. Um, and nine. Then you go to 2016, it was almost um, increased by a thousand home runs up to 5,610. Wow. Um, 2017 goes up by about another 500 to 6,105, and then has basically plateaued from that. Um, 
2019, though, 6,776 home runs. So you can see from 2015 to 2016, there was a huge jump. Yeah. Well, and I think players are playing a little bit different now because you're seeing more strikeouts and more home runs. And they're swinging hard in case you hit it kind of mentality. But, I mean, we're seeing balls that are traveling way, way, way over the fence. 470, 480 feet. I mean, I mean Acuna last year hit 1490. Yeah. Which yeah. is just crazy. And here's another crazy stat for you. Back in 1918, granted, there was less teams in each side of the majors. Mm-hmm. In 1918, <clears throat> there was a total of 235 home runs hit. It shows you how far we've actually come in the game of baseball. Yeah. But. Um, I did want to make a point to why maybe they picked Ronald Acuna over some of these bigger names. Or, Ronald Acuna's a big name, but home run names. All right. So, if the balls are lessened this year, they're not as juiced. Yeah. And I, I will give this uh, idea to Dad a little bit, to my father, because he sort of brought this up. Acuna hits, not only hits home runs, he hits home runs to all fields, which means he's got the power to take the pitch wherever it's at and hit it out. A lot of these other guys... Uh, excluding or excluding Mike Trout, Mike Trout does what he wants. Um, but a lot of these other guys have spots where they're a dead pull hitter. You know, most of their home runs are pulled. Uh, you don't really see a lot of guys that most of their home runs are oppoed. But Acuna hits a lot of oppo home runs, and he spreads the ball all over the park and really takes advantage of what pitch is given to him. As far as that, and I think that's why you could see his numbers maybe above some other people's. Maybe that's what they were thinking in this stat, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree that Acuna is one of the better hitters in the game that can spread the ball out from right field line to left field line. And again, it's one of the reasons that he is so highly thought of. Uh, around the league right now, even even though he's one of the youngest hitters and definitely one of the youngest hitter uh, home run hitters, I guess per se, um, in the game today. <clears throat> but again, that's why he's so highly touted is because he can spread the ball from line to line, um, and it's also what makes him so lethal in that lineup. And you have to kind of pitch around him to to work through the lineup, you know. Right. So, yeah, you can't make a mistake to him because it's going to go a long, long ways. Yeah. But if you pitch around him. Then, who's batting second this year? I mean, any, I mean anybody. I, I would f- like to see Ozzy bat second. But. I was going to say anybody from Ozzy to Freddie. Mm-hmm. Depend. I mean, and if you go ahead and put Freddie second, then you got uh, Ozuna and Darno. Yeah. So I mean, Ozuna and Darno three four or Ozuna and Darno four five doesn't bother me. No, either, either way. No. So yeah. Um, me next or okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, so little changing directions here, going into some football. Uh, I saw a little thing about Juju Smith Schuster, and no, I'm not going to talk about him taking less money, which I think is cool. Uh, 
that he wanted to stay with the Steelers. But uh, Juju came out and said, or he was asked about his ex-teammate at USC, and he said it would be cool to play with Sam Darnold again. Uh, obviously, uh, I think we all saw the Steelers re-sign Big Ben, in which I thought, I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, they but the Steelers are a really good team, and if they got a quarterback that could go somewhere... I mean, other. I mean, Big Ben sort of got the job done. He's not going to hurt you. He done okay last year, but if they got a guy that could do something, I mean, the Steelers could be dangerous next year. And uh, I got to thinking about it, and I'm not a huge fan of Sam Darnold. Uh, coming into the pros, I didn't think he was going to be that great. Um, of course, he went to the Jets and. It's hard to really see if he was going to be good or not because he went to the Jets. Uh, And I don't really think he's going to get an opportunity at the Jets. But I started thinking about it, and I was like, man, if he did somehow go into the Steelers, maybe, you know, there could be some kind of connection with Juju. Maybe he could do something. You don't know on on that much of a better team. Maybe he could do something. Maybe he could at least be better than Big Ben in this next coming season. I don't think it's going to happen, but I just wanted to see your thoughts on it. My thoughts on Big Ben is, um, and and Colin Cowherd has brought this up many times on Big Ben, Big Ben, talent-wise, is a good quarterback. Mm. He just lacks the the drive and the work ethic that a Peyton Manning or an Eli Manning even um, had. And and that's why he has kind of fell short of of a couple of different you know uh, of a couple of different uh, uh, goals in his career. Uh, mm-hmm. no, now he's most likely going to get in the Hall of Fame. Probably not a first ballot, but he's most likely going to get in the Hall of Fame. But again, he's just not going to win. He's not going to win you another Super Bowl at this point in his career. Oh no, I think he's just. I think he's he's done better than what he was doing. But every time I see him, it's just sort of like he's an old man out there trying to play. But it, he, miss, he, in my opinion, he really missed out on his opportunity when he had A.B., Le'Veon Bell, um, the, the tight end. Uh, oh, gosh. What's his name? Oh, goodness. He's from around here. Oh, uh, uh, Miller. He's Miller, yes. Um, and then that stacked defense yeah. before Shazier got hurt. Yeah. Um, I think that was his best shot at, at, at a Super Bowl. And, and I get it. Le'Veon Bell and A.B. are huge mouths and were huge mouths and huge uh, personalities. A.B. was probably... And huge personalities to deal with, but he still had the shot there. Oh, A.B. A. was... At that point in his career, he he was... Top two wide receiver in the NFL, I think. Yeah, and then I to, mean, to go off of your point of, of to, or to go off of your idea of Sam Darnold, I think if Sam Darnold were to go to the Steelers or Juju go to the Jets, um, that would be that would be very interesting. I know I couldn't tell you a couple other receivers on the Steelers roster, um, but I know the Jets were in need of a receiver. Yeah. Pretty bad. But the Jets are in need of a lot of things. But 
just the Steelers in general, I think that would be a better fit for Sam Donald right now. They have a, a little bit better of an offensive line at the moment. Um, maybe the Jets can get better in the draft or, or beyond. Well, I mean, but, hadn't the Jets already talked about getting another quarterback in the draft? Possible. I mean, I I don't, I don't see it happening. But yeah, I don't see goodness. him. I don't see him doing that. By the way, I think that's going to be our next episode. Yes, a little bit of draft coverage. But anyway, yes, we have to. Drafts coming up. Is it April? Yeah, yeah it should be first week of April. Oh goodness! Tag gum. It's the twenty first right now. So <laughs> we ain't got long. So yeah, to again to to answer your point of Sam Donald to the Steelers. Number one, it would be best uh, better for the Steelers. I don't think it'd be best, but it would be better for the Steelers if, yes. if that were to happen. And that dynamic would be really fun. I think. Yeah, I think you would it, see it would be interesting. Like I say, I was not a big Sam Darnold fan. I thought it was a big mistake that he went that early in the draft. Uh, I I didn't think he was that great. I watched a little bit of him. Uh, I'm very critical on quarterbacks, especially from places like USC that used to be good because I think their names get hyped up more because of that. Um, And even like, so I'm a Georgia fan, right? Even JT Daniels coming to Georgia, I was like, that's cool. I've heard this kid is good. I've seen some of what he can do, but he's coming from USC and, uh, you know, USC quarterbacks right now. Historically, yeah, they've been good, but right now their their names getting hyped up a little bit more because of where they're coming from. The brand, yeah, yeah. Same thing. I'm a little higher on Sam Darnold than you are. But yeah, keep keep going. But the same thing with old uh, Browning from Washington. I thought his name got hyped way too much, and I watched that dude play. Jake Locker as well. Yeah. Uh, but I remember Browning especially because me and Dad were like, okay, this kid's supposed to be good. Let's watch this game. And I was like, dude, can this guy even throw it 50 yards? Like, no offense, but like his ball just seemed slow out of his hand. Like, yeah, he was getting it there, but you're also playing in the Pac-12. Like, they're not that good. Yeah, not to mention college. College windows are going to be... 10 yards, 5 to 10 yards. Yeah. NFL windows are going to be like 3 yards. Yeah. So, yeah. So you got to have some zip on the ball. But yeah. um, NFL draft is April 29th to May 1st. So we got a while. Okay, okay, okay. We got a while, but we've got... We've got to start covering it. We've got we've got something in, in store for the listeners, um, the way we're going to break that down. But anyway, and to my next and our final segment in Around the Horn... Um, is just to go around NFL free agency for a little bit. Number one, though, that I want to cover are the New England Patriots. They went out on a spending spree. Um, headlined, I would say, by their uh, receiver um, acquisitions. When they got Cam back. And, and they which, Cam when back. they got Cam, dude, I was like, okay, this could be dangerous. And Cam didn't really do anything, and it sort of scares me. Cam's uh, got the talent, dude, to do what he wants to. I don't know if he's there mentally, but the man can play football, and if he can listen to Bill Belichick 
it'll be scary. I don't think uh, Cam is a whole lot of places mentally, but that's beside the point. Um, Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry are the two um, receiver, tight end acquisitions that I was thinking of. They got Nelson Aguilar as well. But to the point of how much they actually did spend. Accounting for the 16 of the Patriots' 19 signings and re-signings, they have guaranteed about $162.5 million. Okay? That's in guaranteed money. This, let me see. This number, 162.5, is almost as much as Robert Kraft paid for the franchise in 94. Wow. He paid $172 million in 1994. And they guaranteed $162 million this year. Just, just this year in free agency. That's huge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is huge. I would say the biggest tra- uh, transactions were Joe Tooney, Hunter Henry, Jalen Mills, and David Andrews. Those four. Two on the offensive line, one coming from... Wait a minute. Joe Tooney went to Kansas City. My fault. So, it would still be um, David Andrews, Hunter Henry, Jalen Mills, Devon Godshaw, maybe. David um, Andrews is from Georgia. He is. He is. Go dogs. So, David Andrews staying in New England is huge for them. That's a big piece off their offensive line that they mm-hmm. needed. <clears throat> Hunter Henry, I think, is the better of the two tight ends. I think he's going to be more versatile for them. Johnny Smith is a very good receiving tight end, um, but I think Hunter Henry is an all around, I guess, quote unquote, tight end. Jalen Mills from Philly to New England. Uh, Jalen Mills played very well against uh, New England in the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. And is a very good player all around, safety, uh, safety wise. New England obviously needs a lot of help on the back end of their, um, uh, on the back end of their secondary, their team. And Nelson Aguilar again, an, a good uh, receiver acquisition from Vegas, Devon Godshaw, to shore up that defensive line from Miami. Uh, and those are, again, just a couple of the players out of the $162.5 million that they are um, guaranteeing to these players. Well, yeah, and let's talk about some of the other big signings around the league. Uh, I saw Kenny Galladay got signed by the Giants for four years, $72 million. Uh, that's going to help the Giants a lot. Maybe the Giants are trying to claw out of me- mediocrity, yeah, a little bit. Um, uh, I saw Xavier Rhodes to uh, uh, the Colts. Still, yeah, he's, he's staying in Indy. But our Vikings. I was going to say a a former member of the Vikings. I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, our Vikings got Patrick Peterson. Yes, that's which, big. Which uh, he's he's a little older now, but it's fun, and I'm excited. Patrick Peterson will still help that. Secondary. Oh, yeah. They need it. Two teams that really helped their secondary were the Cowboys and the Browns. Um, the Cowboys getting Keanu Neal from the Falcons, as well as Byron Jones from the Dolphins. Mm. Two very good um, players there. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick went to the football team, uh, which I thought was cool. I think he can sort of swag up their their team a little bit on offense. Uh 
We're missing one big one. J.J. Uh, Watt to Arizona, totally which I him. thought was a little weird. But, hey, you do you. By the way, Byron Jones is still with Miami. My fault. <laughs> no, I think J.J. Uh, Watt, I mean, you got to look. With J.J. Watt going there on the defensive line, J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones. Then offensively, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, they got A.J. Green. A.J. Green. That's scary. If A.J. Green had have been on a different team, like his his whole whole career, career, besides the Bengals, I mean, he would be so good, dude. But it's tough. One thing that does suck is our boy Joe Burrow – Boyo, uh, Joe Burrow just lost a really good receiver, so that's not good. Right. So now he doesn't have an offensive line or a receiver. Yeah, it's gonna be John Ross is gone too. I think it's gonna be interesting for for old Joe Burrow in year two. Um, he just, John Ross is still with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, quick little. No, he is not. He is with the New York Giants. I told you. I thought he left. Um. So, John Ross and Kenny Galladay in New York. Yeah. Uh, I kill with John Ross on Madden Speedsters. But, anyways, I heard a little story about Joe Burrow the other day. Uh, I think it was Chris Collinsworth was talking about it, telling a story about Joe Burrow. Uh, One of the really bad hits he took last year uh, before getting hurt, uh, he got hit late. And... All the stands and everybody, everybody watching it was like, oh, you know, that should be a flag. And there was no flag. And he was like, Joe Burrow didn't jump up and cry and, you know, want a flag. He jumped up and he looked for the flag. And when it wasn't called, he said, I'm going to get that call when I'm the GOAT. I mean... Dude, the guy knows his circumstances, and he still goes out there and lets it hang. That's what I love about it. That, and then, like, you gotta have a little bit of swagger to to make it um, yeah. in the NFL. So, yeah. to do that is is, is big. Um, the Bengals added a offensive lineman in Riley Reef. Mm. Riley <laughs> Reef's good. You know where he came from. They had to release Geno Atkins, though, as well. Uh, you you know where... No. The Vikings. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, they had to release Geno Atkins. He did. He'll go somewhere, though. He's really good. He's older. Uh, he went to Georgia. Kyle Fuller, the cornerback, going to the Broncos. Desmond King joining the Texans. Man, the Texans are... We didn't even cover everything that Deshaun Watson's going through right now. Dude. I don't want Deshaun to suffer there either, but I think he's getting more hype than what he deserves at the same time. He's good. I I think he's really good, but I think people are putting him up to be like he could be the best quarterback in the NFL if he wasn't on the Texans, and I don't think that. So you don't know what I'm talking about, do you? Wait. What? Go on your computer there and look up Deshaun. Oh, with all the women and stuff? Yeah, that's... How convenient is that? I don't know. If it's true, I feel sorry for those women. 
and stuff like that. But I think it's really convenient that all of a sudden these women come out and. I think it's a little different than that, but I'm I'm not caught up on the whole thing either, so I couldn't. I just know there's tw- at least twelve um, lawsuits. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, seven at least that I'm seeing now. But again, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Um, basically, we'll find out when there's a verdict. Yeah. You know, nothing Nothing else to be said there, honestly. Well, do we want to go on to our big topic? Or do you... One, one more, one more okay. thing. Kyle Rudolph going to the Giants. Yeah, that's... Okay, so the Giants got some receivers. Daniel Jones, if you could ever be good, this year might be your year to be good. Yeah. Uh, definitely. That was another draft where I don't understand how Daniel Jones got so much hype. But it happens every year. A a player, whether it's a quarterback or somebody, gets hyped up so much that it just rockets them in the draft. And everybody talks about them. And somehow a team is uneducated enough to select them Way higher than they should go. Like, I don't know. I don't see... I never saw Daniel Jones as being a dude that was going to do anything in the pros. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I agree with you there. So, I wanted to cover one more... I think we would be remiss if we did not cover one more thing, one more team. And that would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay? Mm-hmm. Re- they were able... So, Tom Brady restructured his deal again. Yeah, which I thought was... Uh, he's always done it. He's always done it. Right. And I think that's... Honestly, that's one of the great things that the great ones do. And that's yeah. to put off money later so you can win now. Yeah. Drew Brees, Drew Brees has done it as well. Peyton done it to a little bit of an extent, but he still got paid. Shaq Barrett, they were able to bring him back because of Brady restructuring his deal. Levante David, they're bringing him back. Gronkowski, they're bringing him back. Ryan Suckup, their kicker, he's coming back. Uh, Aaron Stinney, a guard, is coming back. Um, They are looking to... um, Structure a deal for Ndamukong Sue, Leonard Fournette, and one more high free agent target that um, is not specified at the moment. So, nineteen in this in this uh, article that I'm looking at right now, through the restructuring with Brady, they saved nineteen million in this year. See, and that's one thing. Uh... I was thinking about it the other day. I'm not a huge Brady fan. I think we've talked about it on here. Uh, but it's it's that that is one thing that I commend him for. Uh, he's always done that. Always. And that's the reason why he's not at New England. Is because he finally said, okay, now I finally want to get paid. And New England, for some reason, said no. Like, well, what the heck? Like, this man's brought you so much, and now you don't want to give him the money? 
like, I don't know. I'm on Tom's side there. Part of it is because they were being cheap. Because look at the, exactly look at the um, weapons that they had around him. Even though they were still restructuring his deal year after year. Yeah. Well, and like his weapons. Like, how many times did he get grocery grocery bag boy receivers? You know, like, nobody knew who they were, and then all of a sudden they're great. And you know they don't have to pay those guys. Right. You know? Yeah. And Tom always took less money so they could have, you know, the LeGarrette Blunts and the High Towers and, you know. And then he wants more money... Finally, and they say no. You know, and now he's on to Tampa where he makes more money now. And then he still was like, okay, I'll give up some money so that we can still have this team. I mean, I think going into the next year, Tampa Bay is uh, the are going to have the best odds to win the Super Bowl again. Yeah, which is crazy. From, from Vegas. I, yeah. In, in my opinion, they... Kansas City's still going to be good. I mean, they improved their offensive line. Honestly, if you think about it, the second year that a quarterback is with his new team is the best year. And in Brady's first year, they won the Super Bowl, so Lord knows what they're going to do now. Um, yeah. I don't know. But I'm I'm good with that uh, to leave it there if, if you are. Yeah. Clock out. Clock out. All right. Going to our, our main topic of, of the episode – by the time that this is recorded and and uploaded, March Madness, um, the second round of the tournament will have already ended and probably going into the Sweet 16 um, this weekend by the time this gets uploaded. Um, but I just wanted to, to maybe look through a couple of the best games so far and then something that I was telling you earlier um, was what I thought or how I thought this – this season and this tournament um, was going to go um, when I when when the season first started. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's first let's look at the at the bracket. Um, some of the, some of the best games that uh, have gone on so far. Uh, Gonzaga obviously blowing out Norfolk State. Oklahoma and Missouri. I watched that game last night. It was a very good game, very tight game the whole way, uh, back and forth. I would love to see. Maybe if I could see uh, how many lead changes there were in this game, because it seemed to me um, every every bucket was leading um, to a to a lead change. Um, but I cannot on the uh, uh, on the website here. Um, but anyway, Oklahoma won in that game, seventy two sixty eight. That is the eight nine in the West Division. Creighton. Um, and Santa Barbara was a very good game, a one-point game with Creighton winning there. One of the biggest upsets in the tournament, Ohio beating Virginia. There was um, a lot of upsets. There's th- been a lot of stuff that's went on. So I don't watch basketball very much to our viewers or listeners out there. Um, but, of course, how do you not let, you know keep up with March Madness a little bit? Uh, this year was the first year in like eight years I haven't done a bracket, which wow. is crazy. I mean, obviously, I know while we were in college, what we did with a bunch of our buddies, um, we put in a paper bracket and 
did a point system that way. Whoever won um, had the option to get a cookout a tray from the other participants in that bracket. Yeah, so, and I won one year. You did. And I don't even watch basketball. Um, so I think there was about six of us that, that did the uh, uh, the little tournament, I guess you could say. And so Tyler got to get five free cookout trays for for however long. But for anyway. for the year, I could just be like, oh, man, I'm broke. Who wants to get me food? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so Ohio winning there. Let's see. Kansas had a scare against Eastern Washington, but um, was able to pull it out there late. The thing that amazes me about college basketball is throughout the rest of the NCAA, you never hear about any of these teams and then all of a the sudden, there's teams like Loyola and Oral Roberts and Hartford. I mean, even, heck, Villanova, I know they've been like a top basketball school forever, but like any other sport, like I've never heard of Villanova. So, <laughs> you know? so part of that is like Eastern Washington, for example, or VCU or Grand Canyon or Ohio. They are all their conference champion. Yeah, yeah. They won. Yeah. Their, they won their conference tournament, um, and so that's part of why you, you see these. You see, these basically, you know, for lack of a better word, a no-name team yeah. uh, in the tournament. Um, because, but I think that's cool. Basketball is really the only sport around where you can have a tournament like this. It's structured in a way where a tournament like this doesn't hurt your players at all. Baseball is similar in the way they do regionals and super regionals. Yeah. Um, for, for college, anyway, for NCAA. But it is, like you said, it's not to the magnitude um, that this is. VCU is it is horrible the way VCU ended their season. They got a COVID test, a, a COVID positive test, um, yesterday before their game. Mm. Um, and so Oregon won that game one to nothing. And it was a no contest. Oregon goes on to face Iowa in the second yeah, round. That's not tomorrow. Cool. Right, it's not. But it's the way it's the world that we're living in. Yeah. Um currently Colorado absolutely blew through Georgetown, which I thought was a, a shock to me. I mm-hmm. thought Georgetown was gonna put up a better game than that. But Colorado and Florida State is gonna be a very good game as Florida State um had troubles of their own with UNC Greensboro. <clears throat> See, like, UNC Greensboro, like, that just blows my mind. They're in the SoCon. Yeah. It's got, yeah. Yeah. Um, ATSU's still in the SoCon, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Okay. One of the best, I think, matchups in this second round will be the 11 seed UCLA Bruins and the 14 seed Abilene Christian Wildcats. Hmm. Um, UCLA beating BYU by 11. And Abilene Christian beating the the three seeded Texas Longhorns We're by back. one by one. That's that's football. I know that's football, <laughs> but I don't care. <laughs> um, and and so I'm gonna go into what I thought about the season in here in just a little bit. Um, but going to the other side of the bracket here in the Midwest region, um, I'm like that monkey that picks the Super Bowl winner. And sometimes gets it right. That's how I am with 
this college basketball bracket. Jim Beheim pulling it out again. He goes to another Sweet 16 um, today, beating West Virginia by three. Um, the three-seeded West Virginia Mountaineers, the 11-seeded Syracuse Orange. I think, honestly, I think that just shows you how how good the ACC was while still not being good, if that makes sense. Yeah, the ACC has always been a good basketball conference. Because you, you see teams like North Carolina that had a bad year record-wise. Duke didn't make the tournament. Um, Florida State had a good record. Um, Clemson made the tournament. Um, as, as a basketball school, but do you think about the coaches still in in those game or it, for those teams? They're still going to get coached hard against. You know, they're still going to get played hard against, even if those teams aren't as good as they once were. Right. You know, right? Louisville didn't make the tournament. Notre Dame had a bad year. Miami had a bad year. Um, Georgia Tech made the tournament. Virginia Tech made the tournament. <laughs> Um, so you exactly so you see it was a little bit different um, in terms of the way um, everything went in the ACC this year. But um, also funny thing, mm. I don't know if you know this, the 15 seed Iona Gales is coached by Rick Pitino. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Former Louisville head coach. Yes, I know. That. Louisville didn't make the. Make the tournament, which yes. I thought is is very nice. Um, Rick Pitino, his name has actually been linked to other jobs this this off season. He actually came out and said, "I said, quote, I am in heaven at Iona and plan to um, springboard this spring springboard this job into retirement." Um, so I think it's a that's a cool thing to hear from Rick Pitino. Um, Personally, being mm-hmm. a, being a Louisville fan and being a, a, a Patino fan as a coach, um, taking Iona to the the tournament in his first year is, is a pretty, um, I wouldn't say amazing, but a pretty darn good coaching job right there. Mm-hmm. So going back to the uh, Midwest bracket, um, Oklahoma State um, probably has the best player in the country in Cade Cunningham, um, the four seeded Oklahoma. State Cowboys are going to play Oregon State here in just a little bit, um, starting at 940 Eastern. But um, they they beat Liberty by nine. Um, they're going to face Oregon State, the 12-seeded Oregon State Beavers, who beat the number five Tennessee Volunteers by a final score of 70 to 56. Yeah, they got smacked. Tennessee was never in this game. I watched this game. The only the only time that Tennessee was in this ball game was the tip off. And that was it. True. It was. I saw Twitter blowing up over that game. Coach Barnes came out and said that they just weren't in the right headspace. They weren't. They just weren't ready for that game. And obviously it it showed um, again. Uh, I even heard some of the players say that too. Yeah. Which I thought was sort of a. I don't know. That's not something you say after something like that. That's not something that you hear from a. Rick Barnes coached team either. No. Um, Rick Barnes coaching at, at Texas most recently before Tennessee um, always had his teams ready to play at, at the very least. Um, but now moving on to a Cinderella that may not be a Cinderella anymore, the number eight-seeded Loyola Chicago Ramblers um, beating the number one seed Illinois 
uh, fighting Illini by a score of 71-58 to in the second round today. Wow. Um, they move on to the Sweet 16. Um, they moved, They got to the Final Four last year. Um, and, I mean, they're going to face Oklahoma State or Oregon State in the Sweet 16. Um, I think if they get Oregon State, I think they're going to be in a very comfortable position. If they get Oklahoma State, they're going to have to deal with Cade Cunningham. He can get hot at any second. Um, and a couple of other um, key players for that Cowboys team. But Loyola's defense is what has kept them um, going throughout the year. Um, and obviously, you get Illinois to only score 58 points. That's huge. Um, they beat Georgia Tech 71-60 in their last game. So they've, <laughs> they've scored 71 in both games. So that's obviously... Um, something to look out for there in their next game. Going to the South region real quick now. Um, Baylor beating Wisconsin to go to the Sweet 16. Um, I thought Wisconsin was going to put up a better fight in this game. I didn't watch this game, but looking at the final score, 76-63 to um, doesn't look um, very good for the Wisconsin Badgers. Villanova and North Texas are playing right now. They're just getting underway. North Texas... Um, one of, another uh, one of those teams getting a good up, a big upset, excuse me, um, 13 seed over a four in Purdue, beating them 78 to 69. It was one of those games that just kind of shocked you, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't again, I did not watch that game, um, basically because because I thought Purdue was gonna gonna take care of business, but they did not. North Texas moving on to face Villanova. Maybe they can make a run at it to the Sweet 16, just like Loyola, um, and maybe another um, double-digit seed, um, just like Oral Roberts. They're hanging in there against Florida right now, 54-47 in the second half. Um, hopefully Oral Roberts can go on and face Arkansas, who just beat our boy Mac McClung of Texas Tech. Um, Gate City native Mac McClung, 68-66 Arkansas over Texas Tech in that game. So that's kind of the the wrap up here in the uh, the review, I guess, of the uh, the bracket so far. Just to just go real quick, go back to look at the double digit seeds. Moving on, North Texas beating Purdue in the first round again, playing Villanova right now. Oral Roberts beating Ohio State by three in overtime <clears throat> to advance to play Florida in the second round. Oregon State beating Tennessee to move to the second round. Syracuse getting the Sweet 16. Rutgers a 10 seed getting to the second round, playing Houston right now. Um, and beating Houston by five with 343 left. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Maryland, the 10 seed, going to face Alabama. Um, the two double-digit seeds, 11 and 14, and UCLA and Abilene Christian playing in the second round next t- tomorrow. Um, and the Ohio Bobcats playing Creighton in the second round. Um, so count them, that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine double-digit seeds in this year's tournament that have won at least one game, um, and a couple that have already won two games. And so that goes back to what I was telling you earlier of what I thought would be a season for the seniors. Um, teams that have 
a lot of seniors on their team, I think, would be able to fare well in a COVID season that stop and start, stop and start, or maybe even you start late, you get you get going, um, and it just kind of rhythm might not, might not be there on the court. Um, rhythm might not be there from school, from in, in travel especially. So different things in travel, um, playing, uh, playing style, playing time, whatever. Oh, and like you said, school, school's a big thing. Younger kids, you know, they're not used to going to school, but guys have been there for four years, definitely. Right, in college. Right. right. Yeah. The, the workload, at least in at some schools, are definitely going to be different from others. But still, if you've got a senior there that's been there three, four years, he's going to be able to help you a lot more, especially, again, on the court as well. And he's going to be able to help you to um, maneuver all of those things to hopefully to uh, play well on the court. One of those teams being Wisconsin, they're starting five um, for our seniors. So... And again, they got beat by Baylor seventy six to sixty three. But Baylor is a very, very talented team that was obviously able to exploit um, Wisconsin in some ways. Mm-hmm. But to go through some of the teams with the most seniors on their rosters, and again, I'm not sure how many of these these seniors play or or are uh, on the, in the starting lineup. But Abilene Christian, who beat Texas, they have five seniors on the roster. Loyola of Chicago, six seniors on the roster. Oral Roberts, who beat Ohio State, three seniors and two redshirt juniors, so they've been there the same amount yeah. of time. Um, Arkansas, who is a three seed coming out of the SEC and are now in Sweet 16, they have four seniors. Villanova, four seniors and a redshirt junior. Creighton, four seniors. Syracuse, four seniors. And that's just some of them. I didn't go through the whole, through the you know the whole <laughs> the whole tournament, the whole bracket. Um, but those are just a couple of the teams that I thought that stuck out in my mind. Um, that were able to to either win a game or win a game that maybe they shouldn't have or um, something in between mm-hmm. where I really do think having seniors on your team this year especially more moreover maybe than more talent than the other team um, definitely helps you I don't know how yeah. you, I don't know how you view that but definitely I think in basketball again we never we even neither of us ever played basketball at a high level so we couldn't we can't tell you for sure but in my mind I think if you have a lot of senior leadership and a lot of senior depth on your roster sometimes and maybe even more times than not that will trump a team that has less seniors but maybe more talent yeah Oh, 100%. And I remember, I'll, I'll take this all the way back to when uh, I was playing baseball at a young age. And what we done was we had a draft every year for, you know, our teams. And it was, uh, if you had a player the year before, you got dibs on that player and could keep them. So then what we done was one year we drafted all younger kids so that the next year we have all older kids and then we got to keep that whole team not only were we together for an extra year from those other guys but we were also all uh, it might have been a year older but we were all older Mm -hmm. and a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger and stuff you know you get 
I know there's been exceptions like guys like Zion and guys like that that are already grown men when they come in, but you get seniors playing against, you know, freshmen and sophomores, even though the freshmen and sophomores might be more talented, seniors are still bigger and stronger and, you know, and like we said, they've been there, they, they've got more playing time, more experience. In a year like this where, you know, you have COVID going around and you have uh, messed up schedules and you can't really get in a rhythm, seniors don't need that as much because they know what the rhythm is. They've, they've got more experience in that. And I think you're right. I think that could definitely help them uh, in the long run. And I think that's why you've seen uh, those uh, lower-seeded teams beat some of those higher-seeded teams is just because the, those seniors, they've been there longer. You know, not necessarily to that tournament, but they've played more games. They, they've been in more situations than some of these younger teams. Yeah. By the way, by the way shout-out to Will Robinson, who is not having a good podcast for us. Uh, Houston down three with under two minutes to go. Um Will Rowe, I did listen to the podcast where you had Houston uh, in the Final Four, so just want to point that out there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, again, and I get, and I realize there's going to be teams out there somewhere in college basketball that has five, six, four seniors that didn't make the tournament, that didn't make their conference tournament, whatever. But that just Maybe the talent gap was a lot bigger mm-hmm. from from another team, or for whatever reason they weren't able to to develop in in that system on that team uh, in that school. So yeah, again, that's just something that I that I thought of that I thought would be some sort of correlation to to a year that really hasn't had any correlation to anything ever. Right, <laughs> um, and that's basketball. That's life. That's everything right now. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to see what you thought about that. So, yeah, uh, it is interesting. Like as far as COVID and all that, you know, we we have never seen this before, and it is interesting to sort of go through this. I know I realized uh, the other day. Or yesterday or whenever it was and all these upsets were happening and I was like man you know and it's already been announced that you know there's no perfect brackets and it's like dude we've barely gotten into this you know usually there's a perfect bracket for maybe a round you know a couple rounds but you know it it, it is a little odd just you know sometimes there's always that upset you know or two but now it seems like there's so many, and it's like you know, were these teams not ready? Were was it like what you were saying, where you know it's the youth versus the eight, you know, the older? Uh, that that's what I, that's what I was trying to at least point to was be, that's the reason that I think some of these um, upsets have happened this year is because some of these teams again, like Loyola, like Oral Roberts, like Abilene Christian have those seniors, whereas those teams that they were playing have very good talent, but they're sophomores, they're juniors, um, maybe redshirt sophomore, but 
redshirt freshman, something like that. Yeah. Um, so they're not going to have as much um, experience, definitely, in the NCAA tournament. And maybe even their heart isn't there as much because you think, like, our senior years and stuff, whenever we played, you know, you want to win even more because this is your last time playing with these guys ever, mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah. You know. Right. So, yeah. Um, and so I just want to point out very quickly that when the – obviously, I can't prove this to you all, but so you're just going to have to take my word for it, that I have Gonzaga, Bama, Baylor, and I believe I had Illinois. But if I didn't have Illinois, it was – oh, goodness, let me look, let me look. If I didn't have Illinois, it was spit it out. Houston, that's who it was. So that so either one, I'm probably not doesn't look like I'm going to be getting that pick right for the Final Four. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to point that out. Three out of my Final Four are still there. Not bad. I'm gonna be pissed if Alabama wins Natty. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I think that would be the first time ever that a school won football and basketball in the same I, I year. I think it would be, too. Um, I know Louisville won both men's and women's tournaments in 2013, but I don't think it has ever been done for football and Good basketball. basketball. Um, Houston just tied the game and got a foul. They're going to the free throw line, tied at 60 with 24 seconds left. Mm. And who are they playing? Rutgers, oh. the ten seed. Um, so yeah, if if you're if you're good to move on, I'm ready to move on and get into a little bit of baseball. That's right, baby. Houston's up sixty to sixty now. Nine seconds left. Houston's up sixty to sixty now. Nine seconds left. Made the second free throw. So now they got to get a three pointer. Sixty three sixty. He's running down the court. Top of the key. Hands the ball off. Three pointer. Oh, he missed it. Ball game. Just off to the left. Rutgers gave it a good shot. Um, so still, my final four prediction, I guess one of. I'll, I'll say one of because I had both Illinois and Houston in a couple of different brackets. But one of my final four predictions still alive. That's good. Don't have a perfect bracket, but I might have a per- perfect final four. Um so anyway, now going on to to baseball. Yes. One of the, one of the things that we have we will be doing until the season begins. When is it, Ty? Uh, April third. April third. I'm pretty. Let me triple check myself. Um, is division um, predictions um, for us? Projection predictions. Um, we did it uh, last episode. April first. My bad. I was two days off. Are you sure you're not giving me an April Fool's Day joke? I don't think so. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, last episode went with the AL and, and, and NL East. Uh, this time we will be doing the Central Division uh, for both the NL and AL. And something else we can do with these uh, predictions is sort of check ourselves mid- midway through the season and then at the end of the season as well. Definitely. And see uh, 
how spot on we were, right. which I bet we will be. I think we will be. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I'm pretty good at this, but um anyways, do we want to how did we do this last time where we went So it, last number time number 1 was, then number 1? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we want to start with the AL? Oh, uh, yeah, we can. Um with the AL, I sort of almost didn't go with the Twins number 1. I ended up going with the Twins number 1. Um, but I wanted to put the White Sox number one. Uh, I sort of feel like it was a mistake putting the Twins number one, but they've sort of been there a little bit longer. The White Sox could shock them this year. Uh, it'll be interesting. That that I think it'll definitely be them one two fight to the end. Uh, but I do have the Twins uh, winning the Central. So I'm gonna go ahead and tell you I don't have the Twins at number one, um, and I think and I'll tell you the reason why, and it's because pitching. The Minnesota Twins have not had pitching for a long time, or at least a long time in terms of getting to the postseason, not getting anywhere in the postseason because they don't have pitching, whether it be starting or in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Because right now, without looking, if you can name me three pitchers on the Twins roster, I would be very impressed. I'm looking and I can't. Because there was a... (laughs) (laughs) Because outside of Jose Barrios, I did not know a couple of these guys. Oh, yeah, Jose Barrios. I did not know a couple of these guys were... Oh, J.A. Happ. I didn't know he he signed with the Twins. I didn't either until I just looked at it. I didn't know Kenta Maeda signed with the Twins. I didn't know Michael Pineda signed with the Twins. They've got Matt Shoemaker. I didn't know he signed. But, so... Again, my th- my thing of that with that being said, outside of Jose Barrios and I would say maybe Pineda or Kenta Maeda. Tyler Duffy is not awful. But that's what I'm, that's that's what I'm saying like Yeah, they're not, not awful. Yeah. 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 They're, they're good enough. Which I think if you're the Tigers, if they're not awful, that's great. Yeah. But if you're the Twins, you got to win have, a division, yeah. To win a division and then get you know, past the Yankees in the DS or the Astros in the DS, you gotta have studs, mm-hmm. and I don't think they have that, that right now um, in their rotation or on their roster um, as far as pitching wise. So that's why I have them at number two. I have the White Sox number one. And I think it's gonna be their lineup that takes. Yeah, they're, them. they're good, dude. I think it's gonna be the their lineup that takes them the farthest. They're really good. I will. I I want to. Point out though, uh, like I say, the Twins do have some heavy hitters. Uh, they've got Miguel Sano, Jorge Polanco, uh, Josh Donaldson, Andrelton Simmons is not a heavy hitter, but a really good player. Um, then I'm missing uh, Max Kepler. Uh, and then you got Byron Buxton's not a great hitter, but there again, another good player. Uh, and they signed Nelson Cruz. So, I mean, they're, they've are they got a lineup. They've got a pretty decent lineup. Yeah, I was about to say go ahead and um, defend your claim of Twins number one. Yeah, I think right now it's just that, that lineup. Uh, I forgot about Nelly Cruz until I looked this up, but him adding him to that lineup really helps. Uh, Sano has never really... Went off 
like he should have, and partly because of domestic issues and stuff like that. Um, but I think really what they're missing right now, just as a quick look at it, is a leadoff hitter. Um, do they not have Buxton? They do, but he doesn't hit for a lot of average. You he, know, he strikes out a lot. For me, I would put Buxton eight or nine. Um, um, but they do have a solid uh, middle of the order. They still have Marwin Gonzalez? I don't believe so. If they do, I would lead off Marwin Gonzalez. I'm not seeing him. No. Let me look and see where he went. Keep going. Um, but they have a solid middle lineup. You know, guys that you don't want to make mistakes to, like Miguel Sano, Josh Donaldson, and Nelson Cruz, and Max Kepler. I mean, those back-to-back-to-back-to-back, to back to back to back, those are hard guys to pitch around. You the know? Twins will hit a lot of bombs. That's that yeah. for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm just hope, I just hope they don't get into, like, the Yankees kind of mentality. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hope not. Because um, they are going to be a good team. I have them number two because I think they're going to be a good team. I just don't think they're going to be able to beat the White Sox, who, to my point, have guys like Dallas Keuchel, stud. Michael Kopech, stud. Uh, Lance Lynn has been a stud in the past. He's, he just throws a lot of strikes. Yeah. Um, he gets ground balls. He gets outs. Lucas Giolito. Again, he is kind of like the type of, like, he's not awful. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, they got Liam Hendricks in the bullpen. Liam Hendricks, stud. Garrett Crochet, I think, will be a stud. He's He was born in 99. He's younger than both of us. Mm. Um, Garrett Crochet, I think, will be a stud. Zach Birdie, he's in the minors, actually. But shout-out Zach Birdie, um, Louisville Cardinal alum, so shout-out Zach Birdie. Jace Fry. One of the one of the best lefties out of the Chase Fry? Jace Fry. <laughs> <laughs> one of the best lefties coming out of the bullpen. He's a stud. They just got studs all over, in my opinion. All over. The um, the only reason I didn't put the White Sox number one was because like they were good, but I just I want them to prove it first. And I think they can. I think they can prove me wrong. I'm not saying that. And especially looking at the roster right now, I mean they got Yasmani Grandal. They have reigning uh, MVP, Jose Abreu, uh, Yoan Mancata. Uh, they have Tim Anderson, uh, Eloy Jimenez, Luis Roberts, Adam Eaton. I mean, those guys are just that's, – that's a really good lineup as well. It's not as heavy hitting as the Twins, but they'll get a lot more hits. I was about to say, look at the, look at the lineup in no particular order. Grandal catching, Abreu DHing, Anderson at short, Nick Madrigal at second, Larry Garcia probably playing a little bit of second as well, Yon Mokata at third, probably Danny Mendick I would probably say plays first. Um, I could be wrong about that but because I couldn't tell you a lot about the White Sox, but he'll probably play first. Um, Adam Eaton, uh, Elo Jimenez, Luis Robert in the outfield. I mean, those are just studs. Yeah. Not, I shouldn't say studs. I use that word a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, those are very good players. Yeah. That well, and they've got a bona fide uh, leadoff man and Adam Eaton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you got probably Tim Anderson at number two is what I would go. 
Uh, Abreu, or no, Moncada third, Abreu fourth. You'd go ahead. Eloy fifth. Yeah. Robert, Robert sixth. Um, Grandal. Grandal probably seventh. I mean, shoot far. That's, Grandal probably hit a little bit higher than seventh. Probably. But, I mean, so you think about that. Tim Anderson can hit a home runs. Abreu can hit home runs. Grandal, he's kind of streaky. Um, Eloy and Robert can both hit bombs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's... It's going to be an interesting year for the AL Central, especially because the Indians are taking a step back this year, in my mm. opinion. The who now? The Indians. The who? The Indians. Oh. You mean <laughs> Cleveland, the no-name team. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Cleveland uh, does not have a name right now. They are not the Indians. They are just Cleveland. Um, Cleveland! This is for you. Maybe they should be the Browns, too. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> but, anyways, I guess we both said our number one and two. So we'll move on to number three, in which I have Cleveland. Uh, they're still a decent team. Uh, they've got some good players. Uh, they're not good enough. They're just not good enough. They're, I don't know. They're not there like they were. And that's why I have them number three. I don't, I think they're good. I just don't think they're good enough. Yeah, I'm the same way. Um, where I see the Indians being is pretty much right there in the middle. They're going to be vying for that second wild card spot, I think, all season, basically. And it's going to be hard for them, in my opinion, to to keep up with the Twins and the White Sox, um, especially when they don't have the lineup that they used to have. No, um, or that, or at least that they are. They used still to have. have some some pretty good hitters in their lineup. Uh, they do have Shane Bieber, which is big, but and Zach Plesac. But after that, dude, they really don't have much. Um. But they have they have Cesar Hernandez who is not bad. Uh, Jose Ramirez, love him. Uh, one of the best hitting third basemen, or one of the best third basemen. Period. Um, Ahmed Rosario is really good. Pretty sure he came from Kingsport Mets. Uh, Eddie Rosario is good. But then after that, I mean, I'm not noticing a whole lot of bigger names out there that, you know, they've got, you know, some core guys, but they don't have the guys like they used to. Yeah, and and to um, go off of your point, I also have the Indians at three. To look at their rotation, they've got Shane Bieber, Phil Mayton, Tristan McKenzie, to really head that. Um, Zach Plesak may get some time. Cal Quantrill may get some time. Um, after that, I couldn't tell you a whole lot about the Indians pitching staff. Um, I mean, their closer had to um, left in free agency. So that's going to be a revolving door. I mean, it's going to be interesting for Cleveland fans because they're not going to be used to this in my uh, young Cleveland fans, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> They're not going to be used to this kind of mediocrity um, from the team um, because they haven't seen it in a while. Um, Roberto Perez will probably be their catcher. 
You've got, uh, again, Jose Ramirez, Cesar Hernandez in the middle of the infield, or excuse me, Jose at third, Amanda Rosario at short, Cesar at second, somebody else playing third ba- or first base um, in the outfield. Jake Bowers is going to be good for him. Josh Naylor, Framil Reyes, the DH, Eddie Rosario, um, Bradley Zimmer. So the other outfield's pretty pretty solid. Um, but again, that lineup's just nowhere near the White Sox and Twins at the top of the division. No. Um, number four, I've got the Royals. I do as well. And um, basically, the reason I went with the Royals at number four is because. The Tigers are that bad. <laughs> um, the Royals, you know, they, they've got some players. They've got Ben Benintendi. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm seeing right here they have Carlos Santana, which is cool. I believe they do, yeah. Um, they've always got Salvi. He just re-signed today. Uh, Whit Merrifield is a baseball player that needs to get talked about a lot. He's not this age's type of baseball player, but the man... Hits really well for average. He has really good speed. He's very underrated. Yep. Um, but, oh, I didn't realize they have Michael Taylor. I was getting ready to say, we may be underestimating this this Royals uh, roster here, but I think it's going to come down to pitching. And that shortstop, I don't know how you say his name, but he's good. Uh, he's all, I always get him on the show. Oh, Alberto. Yeah. Alberto Mondesi, um, son of Braves player Raul Mondesi. Mm. Um, but Hunter Dozier, is that Brian Dozier's kin? I believe. Um, but Hunter Dozier, Alberto, Ryan O'Hearn, Carlos Santana, Andrew Benintendi, Jared Dyson, Whit Merrifield, Jorge Soler, Michael A. Taylor. I mean, that's a solid lineup. Yeah. Salvi Perez at, behind the plate. Mm-hmm. They've got Greg Holland. They've got Mike Miner. It's just, I was going to say, just out, out, it's just going to be the pitching. Because outside of Greg Holland, Brad Keller, Mike Miner, and Brady Singer, do you know anybody else and Denny Duffy? Those five guys, do you know anybody else? Mm-mm. Yeah, me neither. Junis sounds familiar. Jake Junis? Mm-hmm. But it does sound familiar. But again, those aren't the type of players that – the White Sox or Twins have those aren't no no, no those no, aren't no, those no. B or A players no um, a guy like Brady Singer has a lot of potential but I, I feel like that's what the Royals have been going on for a while like the team has a lot of potential mm-hmm. they're just not playing up to it um, and then lastly we both by the way we both had the Royals at four so lastly we have we both have the Tigers at five yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of all you can say at this point. They still have Miggy, um, and they still have a lot of pitching prospects. That's all you can say. Michael Fulmer's really good. Nick, Grib- Nick Goodrum. No, is, they got Wilson Ramos. Is a good player. They got old Daniel Norris. Dino's good. That's an old hometown boy. Um, uh, Matthew Boyd. Jose Cisnero. Oh, they got Urania? You said that already? Or no? I did not, know. Yeah, they've got Jose Urania. Wow. So hopefully the Braves get to play them this year. <laughs> um, no way that man's 208 pounds. No. Anyways. Behind the plate, Wilson Ramos is a good pickup for them. 
Miggy, the DH, Hammer Candelario at third, Harold Castro at second, um, Isaac Paredes probably at short, Jonathan Scope might be their DH, um, Akil Badu is really good, um, he's got a lot of potential, Daz Cameron is Mike Cameron's son, Miggy will probably play DH, oh you're right, sorry, sorry, um, so Heimer will probably be their first baseman, um, anyway, Robbie Grossman in the outfield, Jacoby Jones, Nomar Mazzara. So it's, again, it's kind of one of those things where it's not a bad team on paper at least, but you look at the other teams in the division on paper and it's just not up and to And this par. is uh, A.J. Hinch uh, coach team this oh, year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Got any trash cans? Nope. Well, probably this team needs it. Joking, joking. Anyways, so to to recap the American League, I have the White Sox at number one, the Twins at number two, Indians at three, Royals at four, and in the cellar, the Detroit Tigers. Uh, and I have the Twins number one, the White Sox number two, Cleveland number three, Royals number four, and Tigers number five. So to move on to the National League, we... Start off with my first place finisher, the St. Louis Cardinals. Indeed. And, and much like the um, White Sox, I think it will come down to their pitching. Now, they have made a couple of great signings. Number, Obviously, number one being third baseman Nolan Arenado mm-hmm. to shore up that lineup. But I think it's going to come down to pitching. They still have Adam Wainwright. They still have Jordan Hicks. Wayno, though, to me is not. He's not. He's not. He's not old Wayno, but he's still. He's still there. Yeah. He's. It's just like we were saying about March Madness. He's that veteran presence in the locker room, in the clubhouse, that can go up to guys like Jack Flaherty, Carlos Martinez, Jordan Hicks, and give them. Oh, Quang Hyun Kim. Some. And give them some some leadership and some guidance um, through a full uh, major league season. Um, when there's definitely going to be ups and downs. Yeah, Miles Miklas, he's I mean this he's pretty good. This team's got a, a lot of pitching. so they've got Carlos Martinez listed in the rotation this year right now. He may fall out of the rotation. Yeah, he's had some uh, control issues. Um, it's, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think. Um, John Gant's pretty good. With the way they structure stuff. Mm. Alex Reyes is another good player for them, another good pitcher for them. So it's going to be interesting how they structure different things. Going on to the lineup, um, Yadi Molina behind the plate, Paul Goldschmidt at first, Matt Carpenter probably playing some first, probably playing some second. He'll be a. I think they player. were sort of hoping to get the DH just to sort of have him at DH. He definitely they definitely were. I think but he, I think he's going to be a rotation guy. Um he honestly he may play more second than anything else uh, because Colton Wong has moved on from the team. Mm-hmm. Um Paul DeYoung probably playing shortstop. Nolan Arenado at third and the outfield Harrison Bader in center. And then it's a toss up between Austin Dean, Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson. Mm-hmm. Um, playing the outfield, so that's who I have at number one. Do you share the same idea? Yes, I do. Uh, 
Really, the thing that puts me over the top is that third baseman that they signed. What? What's his name? I don't even care. Really? Really? Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, but Arenado, definitely him going to the Cardinals is... I think that puts... That, that shifts them into a different gear than the rest of the uh, division. Yeah. Honestly, I think we're going to be very similar here, if not the exact same in the Central. Probably. But you might have in. just looked at my... Uh, I did not. I did not, uh, actually. Uh, just, just by the way that we started off here, I think we're going to, probably going to go the same way. But well, yeah. Because this there's not much hiding. Uh, I might be changing my 4 and 5. We'll see. Okay. I'm, I'm going to look while we're talking through... Uh, the next couple real quick. But. Okay. Uh, so my number two, I have the Milwaukee Brewers. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think I did the same thing here in with the, the East Divisions. And I'm, it's probably going to be the same thing, but I think it's going to come down to pitching. Um, and the Brewers just don't have enough or the same talent level in my mind that the Cardinals do. You have guys like Corbin Burns, Brett Anderson, um, Eric Lauer, Freddie Peralta, Brent Suter for the rotation. And the only guy that I see from the bullpen is Josh Hader, mm-hmm. their closer. He's, he's really good, but if, he, if he's your only guy in the bullpen, you can't use him every day. Right, and I think that's what they've been sort of riding on. But Then you go to that lineup. Um, Omar Narvaez behind the plate. Uh, Keiston Hura at second base. Playing first is probably Travis Shaw or Daniel Vogelbach. Colton Wong will actually probably play second base. Hura will move over to uh, shortstop. Or Luis Urias at shortstop. So they've got Them a very getting good Jackie Bradley is pretty nice. They've got a very good middle infield and probably even third base with Travis Shaw. This is another team that could benefit from the DH spot. Yeah. Big time because you could put Vogelbach at in, DH. At DH, um, put Travis Shaw at first base, and then Colton Wong, Urias, and Keiston Hura go somewhere in the infield. Yeah, um, and be a very good lineup. Yeah, in the outfield, like you said, Jackie Bradler, Bradler, Jackie Bradley, um, Lorenzo Cain, I would say Yul Garcia, Corey Ray, Christian Yelich. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good outfield. Uh, yeah. Um, that's a very good lineup. Just having Yelich and Jackie Bradley in the same outfield, I think, is going to be fun. Just realize they have Jace Peterson, former Brave, former Brave. Um, I'm definitely going to have to tune in to Brewers Cardinals games this year. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, the Cardinals might get a little bit more than they can handle a little bit, but I think by the end of the year they pull it out. Yeah, I mean, shoot, man. Again, this lineup for the Brewers is a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, and again, this is just on paper. I, it's still, I think, just barely below the Cardinals. Right. Uh, Vogelback or Vogelbach or Vogel, Who, he he's fun because he can hit some absolute tater bombs. Missiles. Yeah. Yes. But he's not an NL player. Yeah. You know, like you said. They could benefit from a DH. Exactly. So you look at the Cardinals lineup, 
number one, you know where everybody's going to play. And I think that helps a lot, psyche-wise, in a player's mind. Mm-hmm. Number two, you have that really two bona fide, I guess, stars in the infield, in Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just taking the infield as an example because the Brewers' outfield is a lot better than the Cardinals' outfield. But I think the Cardinals' infield outweighs the Brewers' infield by a wide margin. Yeah. And that's just not just defensively. That's offensively as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just what I'm saying there. Yeah. When, like, say, the outfield, having Christian Yelich and Jackie Bradley and Lorenzo Cain in the outfield, you look at it and – Really, Christian's the only one that's known for his bat. Jackie Bradley has okay bat, but he's more known for that defense that he's going to catch anything that's hit out in the outfield, yeah, which think, is very valuable. I think Jackie Bradley's good if he hits 250. <laughs> yeah, and Lorenzo Cain's about the same. You yeah. know, he, he's he's a defensive player, which is still that that's a need. Lorenzo Cain... Also can provide some stolen bases, which is obviously very valuable as well. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not so much at, at, in in this point, this day and time, but still valuable. That that's sort of the team that they need to be this year's a small ball type team. Um, all right, um, moving on. Moving on to our third spot, um, I have the Cincinnati Reds at three. At three. We're different. Okay, we're different. That's good. It's good content this way. <laughs> um, um, so, my biggest reasoning is, again, it's going to be pitching. You have acquisitions like Sean Doolittle, Carson Fulmer. They get Amir Garrett, or they are, they are keeping um, Amir Garrett. They have Sonny Gray, uh, Michael Lorenzen, uh, Wade Miley, and then it kind of drops off after that. Lucas Sims is a good is a good pitcher for them, um, and then Luis Castillo, who's probably their best pitcher. I probably should have let off with Luis Castillo, but see, I have friends that are Reds fans, mm-hmm. and I followed the Reds a little bit. Um, they did make the playoffs last year. They did, but I don't think I think they fell into the playoffs. I was about to say. Their lineup is by far their weakest link. Yeah, um, at which they lost a lot of their lineup, and that's why I didn't have them higher. Uh, I kept telling my friends last year, I was like, "Look, I was like the Reds. They're they're coming up. They're trying some stuff. You know, I like the Reds, and they really didn't do anything. And I felt bad because I felt like I was being sort of backhanded, and I wasn't meaning it to be." Uh, you know, they still have some of their staples like uh, Suarez and Votto, and Votto's not really what he once was, but I don't know. I just I didn't see them there. Uh, so you, so l- let me go through the lineup real quick, and then we'll turn it over to you. Tucker Barnhart behind the plate. Um, first base, Joey Votto. Second base, probably Mike Moustakis. Um, over at third, Eugenio Suarez. And then shortstop, you've got maybe guys like Alex Blandino or Kyle Farmer to play shortstop. Other than that, I don't know where they would go. Um, outfield-wise, 
Nick Castellanos is a good bat. Nick Senzel, he might play some shortstop as well. Jesse Winker um, playing outfield. Um, and Shogo Akiyama, who's been a very good pickup for them um, in the outfield, as well as uh, Aristides, Ar- Aristides Aquino. 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 Um, Joaquin. <laughs> um, he shouldn't be wearing this number. He's got 44 on. Um, but anyway. I think that that I think that outfield is going to help them a lot um, in the lineup, especially um, bat wise. But as you as you said, I don't think this lineup is, or as I said, I don't think this lineup is nearly as talented as the Cardinals or the Brewers lineup. No. And then, as I'm sure you will say here in just a second, you'll talk about another team's lineup. Yeah, the Cubs. Yeah, uh, I've got the Cubs number three. Uh, I. I like the Cubs. They're not one or two. They're just, you know, falling off from what they used to be. Uh, They still have some good pitching. I just found out. I did not realize that they got Jake Arrieta back. Um, You know, and they got Kyle Hendricks, who he is lights out. Uh, And they look to have, yeah, a young dude. Um, but then, you know, so they have pitching to keep them there, not really to do a whole lot. Uh, but their lineup, they have Wilson Contreras, they have Anthony Rizzo, they have Chris Bryant, they have David Bodie, um, they have Javier Baez, and then they got Jock Peterson, they have Ian Happ, uh, just realized they got Cameron Mabin as well. Uh, and they have Jason Hayward. Uh, that lineup, is, I think, is good enough to be third. Uh, I think that's way. I think it's better than it's good enough to beat the Reds. I think. Um, yeah, I was about to say that that lineup is definitely better than what I just read off for the Reds. But like I said, I'm honestly I'm basing a lot of this off of pitching. Yeah. And, and and that's sort of why. And I don't think the Cubs have as much of those B or A type pitchers mm-hmm. that the Reds do. And I'm not saying that the Reds have the best rotation in the Central because that belongs to the Cardinals. But they've got one of the better mm-hmm. um, staffs in in the division. I think that's what I'm a big fan of Luis Castillo. I think that's I what is, and I think that's what is going to keep them at number three instead of their lineup. Yeah. Um. Yeah, a little. I'll I'll spread a little light on that here in a little bit. I actually had the Reds uh, last at first, and that's because they did lose some guys in their uh, lineup, and I was like, man, the Reds really didn't live up to what they were supposed to be last year. And then I started looking at. and then you're the building. lineups, and I was like, okay, that pitching staff's good enough to win them some games. And, and then I, you remember the Pirates were still in the division. Exactly. <laughs> I had well, I had the Pirates number four at first, and then I was like, man, I can't do that to the Cubs or to the Reds. And I was like, the Reds definitely. I was like, let's look at these rosters, see. And then I was like, I don't know who's on the Pirates rosters here. Like, literally, I was looking at it, and I was like, I don't know, like, imposter. Um, 
So yeah, let's go ahead now and talk about our number four spot a little bit more. So you you go ahead and elaborate more. Yeah. Uh, so on the Reds. so I had the Reds and like say, uh, them having uh getting Tucker Barnhart I think was pretty nice. They replaced a little bit, uh, not all of what they did have. You know, they have Mike Mustakis. Which is cool, but you know he's not gonna really hit a whole lot. He's gonna hit like anywhere from two thirty to two fifty. You know he's okay. Uh, Joey Votto is good. He's gonna do Joey Votto things. Uh, he's a little older, gets hurt a little bit more now, so it might not hurt them to sort of try and get a young first baseman in there to sort of get some training or whatever. Uh, uh, Suarez, that man is really good, uh, very underrated. Nobody really talks about him because he plays for the Reds. Uh, they do have Jesse Winker and Nick Senzel, Tennessee boy, Farragut uh, boy. Yeah, goodness. And yeah, Nick Cassianos, I, he's very good. Um, they do have a pretty decent lineup. Uh, they might give some people some fits. Uh, like I say, I've got some friends that are Reds fans, and I'd like to see them do well. They could beat the Cubs. They could beat the Cubs for number three, but I think it's going to be hard uh, to do that. I think that lineup is going to have to play a lot different than a lot of lineups around the league mm-hmm. because uh, kind of right now it's going more uh, more of a – Line drive, home run, lineup, mm-hmm. and and if you don't if you don't do one of those two, you're not getting on base. Yeah, I think that lineup is going to have to do a lot more of average and getting walks and more of station to station baseball. Well, and they've got they've got the guys to do that. Uh, like I said, Joey Votto's good at watching pitches. Yeah, uh, in a good way. You know, he yeah. he can take his walks. Yeah. Um, and I think having a guy like that in the lineup. It's going to be uh, contagious, and that that will help some of the uh, other stars and other younger guys in the lineup as well. But. Yeah. So I'll have the couple at number four. You've already went over um, their lineup a little bit. I'm just going to go off of their, their pitching because, again, this is what I'm mostly basing my um, – Predict predictions on, and looking at this roster: Jake Arrieta, Andrew Chafin, Kyle Hendricks, and Zach Davies. For the rotation, that's it. You have Craig Kimbrell in the bullpen, who can still be Craig Kimbrell at times, but he still has a little bit of um, control problems. Um, Trevor Williams, Brandon Damn, Wardman, Dan Winkler, Dan Winkler, Rex Brothers. I'm not seeing Rex on here. Well, I am. <laughs> but anyway, um, those those type of guys, <clears throat> for the bullpen at least, are definitely going to help them. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't think it's something that is going to put them over the top and contend for a third spot. And I'm going to go ahead and say both of my number threes um, in these two divisions will not be – not will not be a very big contender for 
a wild card spot for that second wild card spot. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't. I just don't. I just don't see a world where either the second place team in the East or the second place team in the West in the National League does not get yeah um, a wild card spot. Yeah. Um, but anyway, going back to the Cubs, I think that is why I think the lack of pitching depth is why they're going to be number four. Um, but as you said, their lineup is very good. I think that lineup is going to have to carry them a long way um, for them to get to third and then to challenge the Brewers mm-hmm. at number two. Finally, number five, Pittsburgh. the Pittsburgh Pirates. The no-name team. I've Really, I've tried to look through here and look at some people that I know. Um. I know Colin Moran. Colin Moran, there's a guy that plays second base. I can't think of his name right now. Exactly. <clears throat> because he's a um, prospect. Chad Cool is pretty good. He's he's alright. He's cool. <laughs> oh, that's that's corny. He that's is corny. pretty good though, no joke. Cabron Hayes. Cabron mm. Hayes. Um he is good right now and he will be good um, on down the road. But after that, Gregor, Gregory Polanco, I didn't know he was still there. I didn't see that. In the outfield. Oh, yeah. But pitching-wise, um, cool. Kyle Crick. Who? Exactly. they got Trevor Cahill, but I don't think he's worth men- mentioning. Chad Cool, Luis, o- uh, Luis Oviedo. He's a very young pitcher who has got a lot of upside. Oviedo does. Um, I like Richard Rodriguez's hair. Um, That's about it. Where are you getting? Oh, there's Richard Rodriguez. Um, Is this the guy I'm thinking of? There was a guy that played for the Elizabethan Twins a couple of Eric's of this past season, two seasons ago. And he was, or he is, Avon Pudge's son. Avon Rodriguez's son. Derek Rodriguez. Pitches for the Giants. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I knew Derek Rodriguez. He's he's pretty good. Yeah, he play, He uh, is Pudge's son, and he played in Elizabeth. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Coached by old Ray Smith. Ray Smith, baby. Hey. Hey. Hey, man. Um... So, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Our boy Hunter Stratton needs to get called up to the majors because, I mean, I, I I don't see why not. There's nothing else up here. Will Craig needs to get called up as well. Yeah. So, Pittsburgh Pirates, if you are listening, at least call up Will Craig and Hunter Stratton. That's it. That's I like I'm Hunter. Saying. He fishes with me and plays PlayStation with me. And golf. Yeah. Well, all right, to uh, recap the NL Central, I have Cardinals at number one, Brewers number two, Reds three, Cubs four, and the Pittsburgh Pirates bringing up the rear in number five. And I have the Cardinals, then the Brewers, then the Cubs, then the Reds, then the Pirates. And so, again, we, we are keeping these on um, on paper, so we will be able um, – Midway through the season, probably at the All-Star break, and then even later at the end of the year, we'll be able to go back and hopefully prove that we are right. 
on these um, or see how far we're off. One of the two. So that's our plan for this. Um, thank you for tuning in to episode number six of Views from the Bullpen. We will hopefully get to get back to um, a regular um, routine, a regular schedule of uh, an episode per week. Um, thank you for hanging in there with us, um, waiting on us to, uh, to get off our butts a little bit and uh, get another episode out there to you. Yeah, and be sure to follow us on uh, Twitter and Instagram and uh, tell all your friends about us. And Yeah, I just hope you're enjoying the show. Yeah, please keep telling your friends about us. And if you have to, don't just tell them about us. Go ahead and just give them a little excerpt. Go ahead and play a little bit of us um, because just telling them might not do enough. they got to listen to our uh, beautiful voices. Um, <laughs> uh, thanks again to Jacob Kaywood for all of the editing work that he does for us. Um, he does the uh, intro and outros that you hear every week. Um, so we thank you. Uh, we say thank you to him. And thank you to the listeners out there. We will see you next time here in the bullpen.